This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies General Manager Bill Schmidt on some of the exciting new players you're going to see at Coors Field this year and in the years to come. The one thing about this club is I don't think we've blocked any of our young players. So when they're ready, the opportunities there, that's the Zach Fiennes and the Benny Montgomery's, Ben Doyles. When they're ready to play, you know, I think they're going to be exciting. So I think as the future goes forward, we have some young, exciting players that the fans are going to enjoy watching. And we're talking World Baseball Classic. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Otani's ready. Trout's ready. 3-2. He struck him out! Otani strikes out Trout, and Japan's back on top of the baseball world. Man, oh man, could you have asked for a more fitting finish to the WBC Shohei Otani against Mike Trout. They've never faced one another. Teammates the last several years. And I'm sitting there having dinner with my youngest son watching in a restaurant. And so I didn't have the audio then. But this is what everybody leading up to the championship game was hoping for. Otani against Trout. The two teammates, the two great friends, and two guys. And I think it's comfortable for me at least, to say this, they will go down as two of the greatest five, six, seven players in the history of the game. Absolutely, in my mind. And there they are facing each other. And you know what? Otani challenged him through 100, 101, 102. He got two swings and misses on fastballs. He threw a couple of sliders. And then ultimately on on that 3-2 pitch, he fanned him on a slider. Never saw the splitter. That never showed up. But what a matchup, man. And yeah, you're pulling for the United States, but it was a hell of a ball game. Hell of a ball game. And uh, it was neat to watch it again in a restaurant because every television in that restaurant I was in was tuned to the ball game. And everybody was in on watching Otani and Trout. How about the inning before, by the way? This should not get lost. The U.S. down 3-1, to one, and you Darvish, hell of a pitcher in his own right, for years and years at the big league level, he is facing Kyle Schwarber. And Schwarber hits rocket after rocket after rocket foul. Several of them way out of the ballpark, but just foul. And then he finally got a pitch, a slider out over the plate, And he hit it 436 feet. It came off the bat at close to 111 miles an hour. Unbelievable. Epic, epic, A.B. The WBC was terrific. I'm going to be honest. I didn't catch as much of it as I wanted. I was following it. Um, I saw games here and there. I mean, Trey Turner hitting five home runs for the United States. Uh, Mexico's run, Randy Arena going over the fence in that game against Japan before Japan made that unbelievable comeback in the final three innings. I mean, there were so many stars. And when you think about it from a global perspective, in Japan, they've never done better television ratings. Mexico was turned upside down by Team Mexico and how well they did, and how they performed, and Randy Rosarena and his uh, performance offensively and defensively throughout the two weeks. You know how big the sport is in Latin America, Dominican Republic, Venezuela. 
it was huge around the world. And I love what Benji Gill said, the manager of Mexico, as disappointing as he was when Japan came back and walked off Mexico in the semifinals. He said, this is a victory for the game of baseball. And though I know it didn't play out as largely in the United States as it did in the aforementioned countries, this was a huge victory for baseball. It was well played, and it was well played by, for the most part, all of the mega stars of the game. Now, if you want to nitpick from a U.S. biased perspective, the one element of the United States team, and we know that this is the most important element, <laughs> pitching, they didn't have the guys named Verlander and Scherzer and Cole and DeGrom. Those guys did not partake. But you know what? Trout was there. Betts was there. Arenado was there. Goldschmidt was there. Schwarber was there. I mean, heck, Trey Turner was batting ninth. Trey Turner was batting ninth. So all the big players were there offensively. Freddie Freeman, you know, he was there. He was competing for Team Canada. It was it was awesome. It was such a great springboard for the sport and a springboard uh, heading into the major league season. Just can't say enough uh, positive things about the WBC. It truly was a baseball celebration. One footnote, it did receive in some corners criticism because some prominent players got hurt and hurt significantly. Jose Altuve is going to be out in the neighborhood of 10 weeks. He was hit on the hand by Daniel Bard, who you know, had a real struggle really throughout the, the WBC, or at least in two of the three appearances. And you know, you weren't one worry and wonder about the command, something he has overcome. And, and hopefully it was just a blip on the radar uh, for Daniel Bard of the Rockies. Uh, but he hit, uh, unfortunately, Altuve and he broke, um, broke his thumb. The other guy that fell victim to injury in a celebration, no less, was Edwin Diaz, the preeminent closer in baseball, applying his craft for the New York Mets. He's out for the season. He blew out his patellar tendon in a celebration after Puerto Rico won a baseball game. So, uh, you know, people say, oh, you know what, that's why you can't have it. And those two guys are, are lost either for the season or for a significant amount of team to the teams that pay them. That could have happened in a spring training game. Yes, Edwin Diaz wouldn't have been celebrating striking out the side in the ninth inning in a spring training game. I understand that. But the point remains, he could have gotten hurt. Jose Altuve very easily could have gotten plunked in a spring training game and broken a bone in his hand. Those things happen. See the Colorado Rockies. Opening days of spring training this year, Brennan Rodgers just dives to his left and he blows out his shoulder. Done for the year. I wasn't in the WBC. Gavin Lux tore his ACL for the Dodgers. We're going to start a shortstop early in spring training. Not the WBC. He's done for the year. So people who squawk about, well, that's why you can't play in the WBC. I, I think they're a minority and they need to be um, remain a minority. Because the WBC was great for baseball. And I don't know when else you could really play such a tournament. Where every game, you know, after the pool play is elimination baseball. And it's, it's, 
It's game seven, and it's representing your country. And it was exciting. It was edge of your seat entertainment. I was all in. It was it was uh, a winner. Heading back to a spring training for the remainder tomorrow morning as we tape. Actually, tape it on a Tuesday night. Uh, we'll have a few ball games for you on AT&T Sportsnet as we lead up to uh, opening day in San Diego uh, as the Rockies will play the Padres at Petco Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they're on to Los Angeles, two-game set in L.A., and then it's home for a Thursday opening day at Coors Field against the Washington Nationals. Uh, the Rockies have had a disappointing spring training from an injury standpoint. I mean, you lose two key guys, Lucas Gilbreth out of the bullpen, and as we were just discussing, losing Brendan Rodgers um, at second base, a guy that you'd hope would hit you know, somewhere in the middle of your lineup and be out there for 150 games. That's a disappointing side. Um, there are a lot of other topics um, that we will discuss with Billy Schmidt here in moments because the Rockies do have a very good young nucleus in the minor leagues. Some may arrive sooner than others. Who will have an impact on the 2023 team? We're going to tackle all of those questions and more with the Rockies' uh, general manager. And uh, I thought it was would be appropriate to have Billy on uh, right now as uh, the Rockies are embarking on their 31st season of playing baseball. So let's get right to it. The Rockies' general manager here on the eve of the start of the season, Bill Schmidt. Well, we're on the eve of the season. When you look at, from your perch, Spring training and how you assess and appraise how things went. Obviously, a couple of significant injuries, I'm sure, at the top of the list. But now going over it in your head as it's unfolded, what stands out for you positively and negatively? Uh, well, first of all, negative would be uh, the injuries as you spoke of. You know, I think everyone expected Brennan, had high expectations on Brennan Rogers having the you know, taking that next step in his career and, uh, for him to, uh, you know, have the injury that he had and the manner he had it to lose him for the year that, you know, um, I feel bad for him, but I also feel bad for the club because, you know, we lost a good player. Um, you know, Lucas Gilbreth's injury, you know, with the pitching that, that can happen at any time. Uh, but still it's, it's always tough to go out and replace that, uh, you know, and then the freakish injury on Sean Bouchard, um, you know, the swing and miss and, and tear the bicep tendon, uh, and lose him probably, you know, he, we might not lose him for the whole year, but, uh, large percentage, uh, you know, those, those are the frustrating parts, um, so far as spring training. Um, the positives, um, you know, I think we've, I think Montero is uh, is shown well, uh, given the opportunity to play good every day at bats over third base. Um, you know, Mac going to second, I think there was no doubt in our minds that uh, he was capable of that. And then and then seeing some of the young kids, it was uh, Zach Veen, the, the Drew Romos, um, and what they did in the camp, uh, you know, gets you excited for the future. Yeah, I want to talk specifically about those guys, and I think you know all good Rockies fans are aware of 
you know, some of the big names that are coming. And at the top of that list, obviously, the two guys you mentioned, they get their yeah, more than their feet wet, um, you know, playing in big league spring training games, and they certainly held their own. But there's more to it, Billy, isn't there? Just being around veteran guys, guys like Charlie Blackman, dressing in a big league clubhouse, that can't be understated or overstated, I should say. No, not by any means. You know, and how guys handle going to the weight room and watching them, how they prepare, you know, uh, every day in their routines and their processes of uh, having the young kids around those guys. And we have some good veterans. It's Chris Bryan and, and like you talked about, Charlie Blackman. Um, but even, a, a, you know, a Ryan McMahon and just, I, and, and we talk to our young players, you know, what did you pick out of this when they leave the camps? And that's one of the things, like, it's not always, how, you know, I don't need to go hit, swing the bat a hundred times. It's about quality over quantity sometimes. And that's what, you know, as they mature, they, they you know, young players learn that. And for them to get exposed around these veteran guys that we do have that are high quality character people has been real positive. Let's talk about Zach Veen first, uh, and then we'll get to Drew Romo. With Veen, and people always want to know a timetable. I know the player determines ultimately the timetable, but you've been doing this a long time. From what you gleaned in spring training, from where he's come from, you know, coming out of high school, will we see him in the big leagues potentially this year? Um, I, I'm not going to rule it out. Um, he still has to figure out the Eastern League. Uh, you know, that's where he, he went up last year and he had some struggles. Um, I, my feeling, and I've stated, I think once he figures that league out, and that's, you know, um, you know, because, hey, that's a tough league, and there's some quality, quality play uh, in that league. And in a lot of ways, double-A might be tougher than triple-A for some of the young kids because, you know, if you can prove there, um, you have a chance. Uh, you know, I'm not going to rule it out, um, but – you know, he made some good adjustments from his time there last year, you know, and I say that in the Arizona Fall League. Um, you know, he made some adjustments, bounced back, played well where he's the offensive player of the year in the Fall League, too. And it kind of carried over spring training. He did some good things in spring training, but he also showed that there's some parts of his game, you know, in all areas, the defense and the offense that he needs to tighten up, and he realizes that. But at the same point, he also realizes he's not that far away. I tell you what, he's like a wild horse, though, Billy. I said this last week when talking about him on the air, and he's so intriguing. He's not afraid. He did something I have never seen. I don't know if I've seen it at the amateur level. He swung at 13 straight pitches over, I think it was three ball games. And you talk about aggressive, man. That's something else. Yeah, you can also call it a little immaturity too. But yeah, well, um, I mean, I, I would try to pick the positive side of that. Apple. There's no doubt. There's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, and he does play, and he brings excitement. And I know our fans who were, you know, were down here in spring training. Um, you know, he brings that youthful maturity to him, and he's having fun, and that's great. Um, and that's one of the things you like about him when you watch him play. Besides being physically talented, is he really enjoys playing the game and. And there's a quiet confidence that's growing with him um, that, he, you know, he realizes I'm not far away and I can play with these guys up here. It's just, can I be consistent enough? And that's what really what he needs to tighten up um, going into his minor league season. Now, I want to segue to Drew Romo. And, and Drew, when you drafted him, Billy, out of, out of the Woodlands, and 
down in the Houston area, all of at least the national consensus about Drew Romo is off the charts defensively, especially for for 17, 18-year-old kid, and we'll see where the bat comes. Well, everything he's done at the minor league level and what he's done so far in spring training this year suggests that the bats further along at least that I, I don't know what you all thought, but at least with some – uh, some of the things I read when he was, uh, you know, coming out of high school. Um, you know, Drew had a good camp. You know, he got both those kids got sent out last night after the game. But um, Drew, you know, he he swung the bat good in camp against some good quality major league pitchers. Um, you know, as a group, we felt Drew had a chance offensively to be a, a very productive hitter at the major league level. Um, you know, his intangibles behind the plate, the leadership. Um, kind of the field general, um, that's held up, you know, in this short time in the minor leagues that, you know, we thought he could do based off watching him in amateur baseball and his, you know, not at high school level, but also international level with his participation in Team USA programs. Um, you know, I think he leaves this camp getting ready to go to this minor league season. It'll be at Hartford to start the year. Um, He's going out with some confidence, which is good to see because he really cares. He wants to be good, and uh, you know, as an organization, uh, we we think he has a chance to be very, very good. Do you look at your minor league system now as it's tiered? Where you know, okay, there's this group that's you know led maybe by Bean and Romo starting in in Double A, and it's, you know, and once you're in Double A, I mean, obviously you can move very quickly. Um, do you look at it in tiers and waves? How do you look at your system right now? Um, I, me personally, I, I look at it more like, almost like a depth chart. And, okay, how we you know you can put them in buckets if you want to. You know, where, where are we sure? Where you know, it's all about for me building the foundation uh, to support winning here. And uh, you know, yeah, you have some guys a little closer, but some of the guys might be impacted, might be a step or two below. Um, just where are they at? How far away are they? Um, we feel good about some of our young players, and they've showed up in camp here. It's Juan Guerrero and Yankeel Fernandez in the games. Um, actually, last night we were able to run, you know, Gabe Hughes in the camp, and he threw very, very well. So, you know, we kind of look at from a depth standpoint where we're at. Um, you know, where where can we add some talent that maybe we're lacking? And, and I say that from a positional standpoint. Um, and then, you know, who's closer and who's farther away and, how, you know, how we bridge the gap. And that was really the idea of some of our moves in the offseason that was, you know, we tried to do with some upper-level pitching because we had faced some injuries with some guys. So that's why we brought in a Jeff Criswell and a Nick Garcia, um, you know, those type of guys that try to add uh, to our depth. Yeah, and, of course, the sport never changes at any level. Uh, it, it will always be about pitching, and and that's one of the exciting things about Gabe Hughes. He, you know, you guys took him out of Gonzaga. You took him fairly high in the first round. Uh, he's built like a guy that's going to be really durable. The line last night against the Dodgers was was outstanding. Um, how how quick can he move? And I know it's an unfair question, Billy, because I know he threw only two professional games. I think last year you wanted to stay away after the long college season. But could he be a quick mover? Is his stuff good enough? Yeah, it's not a matter of stuff because he's got stuff. Now it's a matter of executing, 
um, you know, developing his pitch ability, command. Um, and then as he faces more qualified hitters, um, you know, being able to really, you know, pitch, become a pitcher. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to start him in heart in, in Spokane. Um, I'm not going to rule out that he, he, at some point, based on how he does that he couldn't be in Hartford, um, at some point this summer, but, uh, you know, we were excited to get a glimpse of him last night. Um, you know, our scouting department identified him as a guy that we thought, you know, could provide some impact up here at the major league level. And, um, needless to say, he was a little nervous last night, but he went out and pitched very, very well. I think that's so important too, that, you know, you find out about a guy's heartbeat when all of a sudden he's in an environment that is unfamiliar. And he, you know, he may have been nervous, but again, the line looked pretty darn good. Oh, then there's no doubt. Yeah, no, he was he was nervous, and uh, you had to remind him to breathe a little bit and relax. But uh, you know, he showed the competitive side, and um, which was good because I think the fans got to see it, our coaching staff got to see it. Uh, here was a kid that spent the whole winter down here in, in Scottsdale training, you know, side by side with you know Austin Gomber and Kyle Freeland and. Um, I know some, uh, Brian McMahon, I know some of those guys, um, you know, they were excited for him to get an opportunity. So, um, it was very positive in a lot of ways for a lot of people. You know, from where I sit, one of the things I'm most excited about when, uh, when it gets teed up for real on Thursday, a week, you know, a week from now or, uh, in San Diego is to watch Ezekiel Tovar play, you know, shortstop every day. He, Speaking of a slow heartbeat for a 21-year-old, he's he's got a chance to be, and you don't want to throw the the, uh, the weight of the world on him, but he's got a chance to be a nice player, doesn't he? He does. I, from the very first time I laid eyes on him, and, um, you know, I thought he had something. You know, there were some things about him that stood out to me. Um, it's not something you see every day, and there was a quiet confidence to him. Um, and that showed in his early minor league career. And then as he moved up against better competition, um, you know, the game didn't seem to speed up on him. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to him, uh, you know, to see what the future brings, but we think it's very bright. More with Drew and Rockies general manager Bill Schmidt right after this. Spring is right around the corner. Actually, it's officially spring right now, though I know we're going to have some more cold weather and, of course, a couple of uh, spring snowstorms as well. But nobody gets you prepared for spring and your garden, your backyard, your front yard like steel, S-T-I-H-L. Go to steelusa.com and check out all of their wonderful products. I'm a battery guy, and uh, all of their products made in the USA um, run on battery. They do have uh, electric, if that's your thing. They have gas also. But uh, I'm a battery guy, and you know what? It's time to go get your trimmers, your pruners, your edgers, your sprayers, and get ready to get that garden planted, get that uh, property of yours looking in tip-top shape as we roll into the uh, warm temperatures. Steel USA or Steel Dealers right around your corner. That's Steel S-T-I-H-L. Hey, hey, you know how much I love my Boyer's Coffee. Brewed in the great state of Colorado since 1965. 
I've said this often, if you haven't tried Boyer's, if it's not a regular staple of your morning, you're missing out. You're missing out big time. Go to boyerscoffee.com, have your favorite coffee, and it will become your favorite if it's not already, shipped to your house. I do it every few weeks. I'm a K-Cup guy. So many great flavors, you know. Hope everybody had a great St. Patty's Day. They had Irish cream out. Wonderful uh, brew there. Aspen Gold, that's a staple. Uh, breakfast blend, coconut cream. How about uh, these Colorado favorites as well? Maroon Peak and Mount Elbert. It's simply terrific coffee. I've been uh, talking about Boyer's Coffee for years and years. Go to boyerscoffee.com and get yours today. Now back to Drew and Rockies general manager, Bill Schmidt. Bill, you touched on a lot of guys. You touched on Montero. You touched on Montgomery. Some of the guys that, you know, are clearly, obviously Montero's a big leaguer, but, you know, some of the guys that, that are going to populate, um, you know, mid-level minor league system right now. Is there anybody else that, you know, has caught your eye that, that you feel like, okay, man, this, this guy's got a chance as well? Um, you know, strongly, I, th- I think we're going to have a really exciting club in Spokane, and a lot of them will be from the Fresno Club last year that, you know, led the Cal League in wins. Um, Sterling Thompson's a kid that's had a good camp. We've been able to get him over a couple times. Um, you know, they're going to have Yankeel Fernandez, uh, um, you know, Guerrero, Juan Guerrero, Benny Montgomery. So there's there's a lot of talent. But besides that, there's going to be some pitching there, too. Um, a kid named Palmquist that we took out of the University of Miami to go with Hughes. Um, and some of the quality arms, again, that we had at Fresno last year. I think that has to be, a, you know, an exciting team. Um, another kid that we had in big league camp here, that would be a catcher on the team is Braxton Fulford. And the, I thought he showed very, very well. Even though he didn't get a lot of the bats, I thought the camp, um, you know, exposed him on some areas that uh, I think are going to really help him going forward. So, um, you know, that's going to be a good club. I have high expectations for a Hartford club, um, you know, with Romo being probably starting there. Um, you know, Chris McMahon, hopefully he's back healthy. Uh, you know, some of those kids we lost last year to injury, hopefully they're going to be able to, in all indications, they're going to be ready to go here very shortly. So, um, you know, I'm excited about our minor league system and, and, and the foundation that we're set. How's, how's my namesake doing? I know he's got big pop, Hunter Goodman. He, You know what? He did a good job. Um, you know, we played him at uh, first, and we played him in the outfield along with the catching. So, uh, you know, he was our minor league player of the year. Um Based off his 36 home runs, having a solid season, he'll be in Hartford too. So we're uh, we're excited about what the future has for him. Okay. Now, you, Bill, you made you alluded to this earlier. You did make a couple of moves, recent moves actually, um, some perhaps by injury uh, or, or forced to by injury. Uh, Mike Musaka, three-time All-Star. Jerickson Profar, who you can go back to his days in Texas when he was a teenager, was the, the top prospect in all of baseball. Uh, you saw him a lot with the Padres the last uh, a couple of years. Tell us about those signings and what ultimately prompted them. Well, I'll go with Mustakas. You know, when Brendan um, got hurt, 
um, we knew probably the best thing was internally was probably to move Mac to second. And really with the idea of, you know, committing to Montero and giving him every opportunity to, you know, really settle down and, you know, see what kind of player we have. And then, uh, you know, as we're looking at it, it's really maybe trying to protect him a little bit. We've, the Reds had released Mustakis in the off season, um, so from a financial situation, it was going to be a low risk, and we thought we'd bring him into camp and see what we got. And um, you know, I, I might be wrong, but I'm not off. But he's close to 500 in the two weeks that he's played. He swung the bat very well. Um, you know, he had lost some weight in the off season, probably about 20, 25 pounds. Uh, so he's in better physical shape than he was last season. And he's dealt with some injuries the last two years. Um, he retooled his swing a little bit. He had worked with Marlon Bird in the off season. Um, so we thought we'd take a look. He's played very well. But, um, you know, that had to do probably more with Brendan's injury. And then, you know, when Bouchard went down, um, you know, the thing you have to look at if you're going to go with Montero at third and Tobar at short is do you really want to start to have three rookies on the left side of your infield? And, you know, and we could have played one of maybe, the, uh, you know, somebody like a Dolan Jones or a Mike Togley in left field. So the idea was that, uh, you know, Profar is coming off a good year. I think he was a two-award, two-and-a-half-award player last year for the Padres. Right. The switch hit to lead off something that, you know, we, we would help us in the lineup and at the same time buy us a little bit of time uh, for some of our young kids just to, you know, tighten up their game a little bit. And, uh, you know, the, none of them were long-term commitments on, on the guys we brought in. Again, based on some injuries we had, buying our young players some time, uh, you know, going forward. All right. When you look at, at the big picture, Billy, we, where are you right now at the big league club? And, and if you're a Rockies fan, are they, you know, you look at it and go, Hey, you know, I can think back to many other years where you're kind of, even that 017, you were building and, you know, you know, there was some pain, obviously, whenever you're, you're kind of restocking, rebuilding, if you will. How do you look at it internally? With where you are right now, and, and of course some of those names that we touched on uh, earlier, and, and looking forward over the next uh, you know three to five years. Oh, I'm excited! Like, and I used the analogy of the the bamboo because it, you know part of our thing I knew that we needed to one get our foundation in place. Uh, our Latin young Latin players, our minor system is. I've been here. I came in October '99. Here, this this is as good as a group that we've had in the last 20-some years of young Latin players in our minor league system, especially from the position player side. Um, and then some of the players, you know, that we acquired for different ways, uh, I'm excited about, our, you know, the foundation. Now it's going to take some time. They're not all going to hit. Um, but I think we're building the, the depth from that standpoint. Um, so I think the future is very bright. And, and, and we have some good arms on the mound that are going to come. Um, you know, granted, health plays a part in. Hopefully, they're not all going to hit, but, you know, the more you have, the better your odds are, and I think we're, we're acquiring a depth. This year's club, our objective is to win as many games as we possibly can win. Um, and But the one thing about this club is, and with some of the guys, and, and we talked about it in the offseason, I did, 
you know, we were, I don't think we blocked any of our young players. So when they're ready, the opportunities there, if it's going, you know, if it's 24 or even at some point this season, um, you know, and I say that, and that's Zach Fiennes and the Benny Montgomery's and some of these Ben Doyles, um, of the world. When they're ready to play, you know, I think they're going to be exciting. So I think as the future goes forward, we have some young, exciting players, um, that the, the fans are going to enjoy watching. Good deal. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you or many over the years where I didn't because it's your background and that. <laughs> To, to ask you about the draft this time of year it comes up now in July as opposed to June. What kind of draft, uh, Billy, college-wise, high school-wise? I think it's a heavy college draft. I've heard positive. I've seen a few kids while I've been here in spring training. Um, I know Mark Gustafson, Danny Montgomery, Damon Ionelli, the three guys really at the head of uh, you know a, a strong scouting staff that's been together many years. I know they're excited. Um you know, here in the next month, I'll start getting out in April, May, um, and see some kids play before their high school seasons are over and college seasons. Uh, but I know they're, they're excited. Um, and I've talked to some other scouts from other organizations. I know, um, up top in the draft, they think is a, is a very, very strong draft this year. So look is forward it, to seeing some of these guys. Is it better, Billy, position player wise or, or, or arm wise? I think it's a combination of both. I think there's okay. some, I think there's some strong, uh, college pitching with a mix of, uh, of bats, um, which has a lot of people excited. Yeah. All right. I'll leave you with this. As, as you and I tape this tonight, the U.S. plays Japan for the, uh, championship in, in the WBC and your focus day in and day out, obviously on the Rockies, but, Wondering if, uh, if you've been able to catch much and, and, um, and your thoughts on, on what has been a very well received, especially internationally, World Baseball Classic. No, I think it's good for the game of baseball. Um, and showcases, uh, how good the players are, especially at this level, um, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier. These are very, very talented, um, individuals playing. They make the game look easy. But it's a very tough game. And, uh, so I think across the world, they, they show it that they come from all places. So it's been fun and hopefully it finishes with a quality, quality, uh, performance tonight by both teams. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Billy, it's always, obviously I'll see you, uh, in, in the next couple of days, but uh, good luck as, uh, as this season, uh, is on the precipice of getting going. And, uh, now, now is where the fun starts. No doubt. Drew, my pleasure. I think that's a solid and, and honest appraisal of the Rocky system, really from top to bottom. And I, and I thought maybe one of the most interesting things that uh, Billy talked about was that he looks at the entire organization as a depth chart. Now, if you're at the top of the depth chart, you're trying to help the major league team win games, naturally. And... The other important aspect of, of what um, he talked about on that depth chart is even with the signings of Moustakis and Profar, you know, solid veteran major league guys, they're one-year deals. They're not going to block a young player who's ready to participate at the big league level, whether it's a Zach Veen or a Benny Montgomery, probably a little further down the road. Um and I think that's really uh, important to take away um, from 
what he had to say uh, during the interview. So now you tee it up and you play the baseball games and you see where you fall. Um, and uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Try to get uh, Buddy Black on as uh, the Rockies uh, finish up spring training 2023. Want to segue quickly to the Avalanche. Uh, as we speak, they've won six in a row. They have the best record since, I think, January 1st in the NHL. I think in the new calendar year, they have the best record in the NHL. Georgiev has played really well uh, in, between the pipes, and they're, they're not only finding ways to win games, they're starting to score at a much higher rate uh, than they did really at any point this year, averaging better than four goals a game coming off that uh, – Nice win against the Blackhawks. I know they've been depleted, but uh, they dominated uh, that game. What a year Miko Rantanen's having. Uh, he's going to score 50-plus, maybe be in the mid-50s in terms of goals scored this year. You know who's been better? Samuel Girard. He got off to a really slow start, you may recall, this year. I don't know if some of it had to do with uh, still coming back from the sternum injury suffered in the playoffs last year. But he's moving the puck better. Um He's he, he's he's been a good two-way, diminutive defenseman, as you know, but um, he's been much better, much more involved um, offensively. He's been uh, on the point at times when Makar has been out, so that's been good to see. Dennis Mulligan, man, can that guy fly? And he's starting to bury the puck also. So the Avs are in a good place, trying to build momentum for the postseason, and yes, get the captain back Hopefully, um, maybe fingers crossed before the start of the uh, the postseason. But at worst, at the start of the uh, postseason, Gabriel Landeskog will come back. Um, I mentioned the captain, and um, I have to reflect very quickly on the first guy that I can remember in my lifetime being referred to as the captain. I think when you use that term now, most people refer to or think of Derek Jeter with the Yankees, the captain. And that's understandable. But for me, the first guy that I heard of referred to as the captain was Willis Reed of the New York Knicks. And growing up in New York, um, I used to score every Knicks game. I'd watch them on television, and I would I would sit there and score the game with Bill Bradley and my favorite player, Dave DeBusher, and, and Walt Frazier, and Earl Monroe, and the center on the 70 and 73 championship teams was Willis Reed. And one of the most famous sports stories of all time, I think you know it well, especially if you're a New Yorker, it's an iconic moment. Game seven against the Lakers. And uh, he had hurt his quad badly in game five, I believe it was. Didn't play game six. The Lakers won that to force a game seven at the Garden. And both teams come out to warm up. The Garden's packed naturally. No Willis Reed. He was the captain. No Willis Reed. He had scored 35-plus in a couple of the earlier finals games. And um, then Willis Reed, 15 minutes after both teams were out on the floor, comes literally hobbling through the tunnel, and the crowd erupted. The crowd saw him before his teammates, and everybody stopped. The Lakers stopped and, and gazed over, and the Knicks naturally stopped and gazed over, and Willis Reed gave it a go, and he hit the first two shots for the Knicks in the game, kind of a foul line uh, extended jumpers, and he never scored another point. 
The Knicks would go up by 29 early in that game and cruise to a 113-99. Game 7 victory over the Lakers to capture the NBA championship in 1970. And uh, Willis Reed and his courage uh, was always credited and it, again, it's one of the. It, there's been so many iconic moments in New York sports history, and that is near the top of the list. Uh, the captain, when he came down the tunnel, hobbled and all. Well, he passed away uh, this week at the age of 80, and I did want to make mention of that. All right, we will continue on next week. As I said, try to get Buddy Black. We'll continue to get you prepared for the uh, Rocky season, the Major League season. And man, oh man, I'm still buzzing from that WBC. Great theater. Congrats to Japan and Shohei Otani as they defeat the uh, U.S. 3-2. Catch Mile High Sports and uh, all their product, um, their podcast, their their radio programming as well, and all their written material. Till next week, stay safe, stay well. We'll talk to you from Scottsdale in seven days. (laughs) 